Welcome to the Young Crones Cafe, where you can get a magic brew full of all sorts of information, both witchy and practical. Grab a cup of coffee and join us. I'm Elizabeth, a wordsmith. And I'm Dave, a modern-day sage. We are going to talk about various witchcraft and life topics from a slightly more mature perspective, at least most of the time. Thanks for joining us. Happy upcoming Halloween to everyone. I'm filling in for Elizabeth this week for the Young King Crones Cafe Extra, and we wanted to do a small segment about Samhain. So grab a cup of your favorite and let's have some fun. So, Samhain. Pronunciations do vary a bit, but Samhain, as I'm saying it, even though it seems to be spelled Samhain, is Samhain is somewhat kind of a universal pronunciation across the European-derived pagan community, so the the Celtics and the Normans and whatnot. Um, just quick to point out, Aldea de los Muertos, or the Day of the Dead, is not Halloween, although Halloween introduces it on the calendar and putting the two together would result in three days of revelry and sweets. Um, the holidays themselves are actually, other than being close to the camera, don't have an awful lot in common. And our focus today is mostly on Samhain. So um, it's a very old tradition, about 2,000 years old, born as Samhain among the Celts, who believed that the dead returned around November 1st, and so they would light bonfires hide behind costumes, and make sacrifices to deities for protection. The druid priests would attempt during these ceremonies to commune with the dead to be able to divine the future. Initially, Samhain itself was an ancient Celtic festival marking the start of the dark half of their year. It has been supposed that they only really had two seasons, marked by Beltane, or the start of summer, and Samhain, or the start of winter. And this just makes so much sense, considering our northern hemisphere climate and, and all of that aligns quite naturally, um, also with a lot of Native North American traditions as well. Uh, there is a, a beginning to the warm days and a beginning to the cool days. So the word itself, Samhain, actually comes from the Gaelic language, and it loosely translates to feast. So, and I can also see this being at that time of year when you've gathered in your harvest and stored away as much as you can. This is the time to have a have a good solid meal and then start watching our rations and whatnot. So it, it seems to fit the naturalist or humanist ideal that that I sort of represent. Um, however, whenever, wherever. Many witches and pagans in general, worldwide and throughout history, have chosen to celebrate Samhain as their sort of new year or their beginning. It's said that at this time of year, the veil between worlds grows the thinnest, making it easier to both honor and experience the wisdom of the ancestors that's coming through. A meaningful way to honor them and to keep them connected to our daily lives is to create or in some cases, refresh an ancestor altar. If this is something new, this is a place 
where we can place items that we know that this particular person liked for our family ancestors or even for some of our, our um, spiritual icons. It's a place where we put things that we know that they liked, things that are images that represent them to us or something that we associate with them. Um, for example, I have a little pink ribbon on the corner of my Susie altar because I know there's healing going on all over the world just like there was uh, when she passed. So anything that brings us good, positive, we hope, um, memories and connections to this person. Um, something else is, is we can, we, we can, and I try to incorporate or include scents as well on the altar, um, different smells as many emotions are deeply recalled through scent as well as imagery. Um, some examples from my own altar is my grandfather passed away when I was two, but I remember him holding me and I remember him when I smell a particular brand of cigar. So I always have one of his cigars on the altar where I keep my ancestors so that if I need to connect with him, I can open that cigar up and smell it. I know that sounds silly, but these are strong and powerful connections that we make. Um, other examples are, you know, a father's aftershave, um, late wife's perfume, or uh, some people will keep late wife's set of pearls, things like that. So, and I don't want to make too much connections with the religious shrines that we are accustomed to seeing in our me media and movies, but we've all seen the pictures of soldiers away at war that have set up a little place where they can keep precious items to them. And that's sort of the way I look at as an ancestor altar. Um, Something else just to keep in mind, too, is not only when we on the path talk about ancestors, not only am I talking about my specific genetic, you know, descended tree, but also my my spiritual ancestors and those those people that I call to from connections that aren't necessarily placed in mundane blood, but are certainly and powerfully covered in witch blood. So ancestors to me kind of and it goes both those directions. And I hope it does for you too. Um, I'm reading off a cheat sheet that Elizabeth gave me. So uh, offerings such as food, drink, and stuff like that, or seasonal and traditional items, incense or candles are always a lot of fun. But this, the, the idea here is this sort of shrine is not exclusive. Build yours. Put on it what you feel right about putting onto it. Um, you know, like how long do you leave this up? Well, that's a, a range for me of moldy bread to forever. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, like sometimes I'll put a symbolic food representation on representation on my altar, and usually after about an overnight i'll take it off of there and and bless it and put it in the trash because i'm not really into bugs on my altar um yard altar i usually leave things there until nature has taken them but the the whole idea with this this shrine and this connecting with our ancestors and things like that something to remember is that there are cultures in the world that still to this day 
prop their ancestors properly wrapped and properly and ceremonially take ceremonially preserved um, that that actually have their dead in a special room in their house so that to me would be sort of like the extreme of an ancestor altar and i'm i'm careful not to make a pun here because i feel that this is sacred so there are cultures up there that this is how they take care of their ancestors i guess what i'm trying to say is this is the time of the year when the veil is thin and we're thinking about these things anyway so that we make what's important to us as a shrine and make it ours i mean some people have ancestor altars that are halloween or Samhain time of year and then in some cases i know pagans will take it down and build a yule display and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that um some do it more by seasons or by moon cycles and in my case i have an ancestor altar that i sort of maintain right in my home it's it's part of where i i feel home so if you're looking for the right time like i said to create or reconnect with your own um the simple act for me of standing or sitting and contemplating things that are on it each year and deciding what i want to change and what i want to add and things like that it's a very powerful and emotional and very expressive time so don't don't let it catch you off guard if while you're cleaning things off that you shed a tear or something like that it, it's okay that's what this is there for so and this is the time to do that now closing up with a fun fact as we always try to remind ourselves to mix some mirth in with our reverence is elizabeth's research tells me that the original jack-o-lanterns were carved from turnips i'm just going to leave that right there for you so blessings from two young crowns happy halloween blessed Samhain to all Please be safe and be loved. So, so loaded be. Deep.